0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, it's ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha coming up on today's show. MH2 got the party started and he shut that bad boy down. Red zone woes, we good. DB woes, we're all right.
1: So the Falcons say for what they did in Miami.
0: And last but not least, and for the culture, high school, y'all better stay away it's atl day ones let's go
1: this is atl day ones part of locked on sports atlanta and it starts now
0: I want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day Ones is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in 10 minutes, the Falcons out here dominating the Miami Dolphins in the secondary? We'll talk about that. But first, we have to talk about the Braves last night get the win six to five T like I mentioned earlier Michael Harris got the party started with you know driving in Ozzy Albies and you know scoring the winning uh eventually what ended up being the game winning run how about that the Braves getting the dub against a team that's supposed to beat for some reason it seemed like the Pittsburgh Pirates got their number T but how about Michael Harris getting involved and and making a name for himself as, he al- as he's already done.
1: Yeah, so exciting to see us having a conversation about Michael Harris II and what he's doing at the plate, or in this case, stealing home to get the win. And it's interesting because, like you said, Michael Harris with his RBI single started the, the scoring early and then Braves jump out to a 4-0 lead and then all of a sudden it's a game? Like, for real? And so Michael Harris II said, you know what? I'm at third. I'm going to end this thing right now. So Austin Riley gets the sack fly and it's done. But what I love is he was fighting for every inch and had to because they had to send that thing to replay. It was so touch and go, but thankfully it went in Brian Snickers favor, went in the Braves favor and they won the game. But yeah, I just absolutely love to see Michael Harris, II being aggressive, Ron Washington saying, Hey, we got this, go for it. And it worked out in the Braves favor.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and we we talked about it before, like how the bottom of this order has been so vital for for the Braves getting wins when they're going through these low moments, yes. especially when you're talking about the starting rotation. So with Orlando Arcia, you know, doing their thing, and Kevin Pilar getting in the first first win against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now you got Michael Harris coming in coming yes. up big, and I think that that's just kind of like the formula, right? You know, even though you know Max Free. He was a little shaky, you know, gave up those four runs in the, in the fourth inning, but you know, he was able to get out of it. And then, but the bullpen came right in and picked yeah. them right up, picked up right where they needed to be. Colin McHugh gave up a little home run, but mm-hmm. guys like Pierce Johnson and yes. AJ Minter, they came in, Rossell Iglesias, even with his shakiness, he was able to pull it out. But I think that you know, that it was definitely a, a, a good sight to see that bottom of the order with Michael Harris leading the charge, pulling that bad boy out. Another thing that was good to CT, how about this? Our guy, Ronald Acuna, nephew Ronnie, three hits, and even, you know, and this is after him getting hit by a pitch, and, you know, we we, we didn't mention it yesterday that, that he left the locker room and didn't even update the Braves on as to how he was feeling because, mm-hmm. you know, it seemed, like I said, the guy yeah. was upset, yeah. visibly upset more so than you know than than normal so how about that for him to come out three for six you know and, and and getting it and getting it like it looking like he was supposed to
1: yeah yeah and that's what i like about him the fact that yeah he was frustrated and i like that show passion we talked about the passion that we wanted to see in him and that's quite fine but then come back the next day if you're truly feeling like yourself and do something and in order for him to get three go three for six he had to be feeling quite fine. So to me, that was such a welcome sign and a sign of, I'm sure a sigh of relief for the Braves to have him come right back out that next day. But also some of the other players were saying, oh, there was no way he was not playing. And it's interesting because there are four players, Austin Riley being one of them, Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. being the other. I think it's Matt Olsen and maybe Ozzy Albies, but those four are going after history. They're now 112 games in of playing every single game. So I am sure somewhere on his mind was, hey, I got to get out here and play. But not only did he play, but he actually gave the Braves something substantive and they needed every single hit because they needed every single run just to get 6'5". And of course, it's like you said, in addition to him, Rysel Iglesias getting himself into trouble but getting himself out of trouble and the fact is we talk about a shaky start from max Fried, right first three innings fine and then he just got in a jam in the fourth inning that he just couldn't battle his way out of but right. as long as he walked away and we don't hear anything about him going back on the aisle to me this is what we expected like i think we would have been perfectly okay i think It's actually good that we saw what we saw in the first game he came back. So you don't feel as bad. I think if you had seen this in his first start back from the I.L., probably would have made you pause a little bit more and say, is he really 100 percent? But I think second game, we're okay. And Rysel Iglesias, two earned runs given up since June 24th. I think that he is quietly showing us in these 22 saves that he's back to the guy that we saw at the end of last season that made the Braves feel that it was okay. to let Kenley Jansen move on.
0: But he does, he definitely has a flair for the dramatic. Like, you go yes. first and yes. third with two hours. I'm just like, man, dude, what are you doing? Like, um, I need you not to let Andrew McCutcheon get a single. Right, um, you're like, you Andrew know. McCutcheon? <laughs> I'm like, Andrew McCutcheon's been in the league for like 30 years. Right. And why are <laughs> you letting that man hate you? He can, he can like still that. hit. <laughs> and he can still, still out there doing his doggone game. All jokes yeah. aside. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, Rossell Iglesias is the guy that, You know, you want you root for him, like you you get behind him because you know you know what his capabilities are. But sometimes he's just going to make you sweat a little bit. And he was definitely had a a nice little uh, worked up a nice little sweat on the mound last night as he closed that bad boy out. That that last pitch was nasty too. Henry Davis, like the way he froze him on that pitch, I was like, oh. Ooh, yeah, I like that, Rossell, but don't you do me like that no more. <laughs> yes, please, and thank you, man,
1: man. But, you know, these Braves, they just like to give heart attacks in all phases of the game. So it's like, okay, well, if this is who we're going to be, as long as you walk away with the Dove, fine. Do this to us from time to time. Because, again, it is only August 9th, meaning. Game three of that series. Right. It is only August 9th. And that's the one thing that I keep saying should be encouraging to Braves country, because at least you know that there's still a lot of game to be played in a good way, because that allows all of these pieces of the puzzle to slowly come back and make a difference, make a contribution and get themselves back to where Rysel Iglesias has basically pitched himself back into this space, right? Right, Austin Riley's batted himself back into this space. So that gives the opportunity for others to get back as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, as everybody continues to, you know, circulate back to some normalcy, right? You know, like we talk about Austin Riley, you talk about uh, Michael Harris and the that he's been on as of late. I think this is good for the Braves. Yeah. to be going, uh, having these these struggles, I feel, against these teams. Now, as, as a fan watching it, yeah, it's not all that great, but I think for them in their clubhouse and, and as far as experiences, because, like, this could be a series we can look back on and say, you know what, this was the beginning of us finally getting everything all on the same page, getting that train rolling, getting all three phases of the game at the plate you know, in the bullpen on the start in the starting rotation, all of those those phases getting going and 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 running on to you know go on a playoff run. And and I think that you know that last little piece, you know, in September T, Kyle Wright, that's gonna be the last piece of the puzzle that we that I wanna see. I wanna see what he looks like when he comes back. And I think that, you know, as he continues to work himself back, Uncle Charlie is gonna be on the mound against the um against the Mets. And also you know, and Spencer Strider's going to be back on the mound as well. You know, Yanni's supposed to start. I don't know why. But, you know, we're we, we going to work through that. So, like, hopefully, um, Mr. Soroka um, yeah. get work, uh, yes. starts politicking yes. for to get that call. And, you know, because I want to see what he working with it, too. Mm-hmm. Because I think he could be a vital piece um, come playoff time, if need be. Now, one of the things I have to let you guys know. That this episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Yes, I said bird dogs. You know what bird dogs are? Guess what? You know, I heard about bird dogs before a little bit. And then once I got a chance to try those bad boys on, oh my yes. goodness. T, when I tell you, because you know, let me tell y'all guys, because I get hot, I start sweating and all that stuff. Like, And I'll go out to Falcons training camp and everything. I'm out there covering, trying to see what's going on so I can report back to you guys and let you know what's going on with his team and his squad. Guess who helped me out? Bird Dogs, T, because guess what? They got that nice little inner lining on the inside of the bad boy to keep you cool and everything. And then, you know, I'm I'm starting to feel myself. You know, I've been working out. So, you know, I'm I'm showing off the top part, the, the bottom part of my quad. You know what I'm saying? Like, they show off the bottom part of your quad, get your thighs. They got the shape of the, uh, everything going on and stuff. So, I absolutely love these bird dogs. So, you guys should check them out. How can I check them out, drivers? Easily. All you got to do is go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter the promo code locked on for a free white tech hat with your order. Yes, that's birddogs.com slash locked on. Or you can enter the promo code for a free white hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. I promise you that. I guarantee you that right now here today. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on.
1: Yeah, bird dogs are so cool because you have like, it's almost like a biker short yes,
0: and then a short I on top it. of a short. As a former athlete, yeah. oh my God. Yes, so nice. and, it, <laughs> right, and it also has all of these
1: zipper parts. So, I mean, it was the one time in a long time that I've been able to go to the gym and not have to drag anything with me in order to carry my purse, excuse me, my um, phone or or my keys and not my purse. So, yeah, I got to co-sign on those. Very unique. And like you said, Jarvis, go to that website because it's actually kind of fun and funky in a corny way. Uh, yes. Yeah, but that those bird dogs are the truth, truth. So just like the truth, at least from what we're being told, is the quarterback core for the Falcons. So three trips to the red zone, all three quarterbacks score a touchdown in seven-on-seven action in the final joint practice for the Falcons against the Dolphins on Wednesday. And I thought to myself, hmm, did we say three trips to the red zone and three touchdowns and the Falcons all in the same breath? Yes, we did. And you may say to yourself, okay, well, it's just joint practice. What's the big deal? The big deal is Arthur Smith on the offensive side. And of course we know Jerry Gray spoke about this on the defensive side. It's not necessarily it's, it's watching not necessarily even the touchdowns, although we, we all like them to score in the red zone. It's how did you get there? And to be able to say that all three quarterbacks were able to execute and specifically Arthur Smith called out the decision-making of Desmond Ritter on his drive. Jarvis, you have to be encouraged that that's more of what you're going to see in this upcoming season.
0: And it also tells me that everybody has a good understanding of what Arthur Smith wants to accomplish when in calling plays, right? Because that, that matters because at the end of the day, you don't want your guys to be robots. You want to understand like, okay, all right, here's my first read. Okay. If that's not there, I'm not necessarily going to my, the backside wide receiver. It might be Bijan might be my, my second read on this particular route, you know, that he's coming out from the slot. So, all of those little fine little intricacies like hey, or Kyle Pitts is not on this field, not mm-hmm. on the field, that, that kind of switches it up, right? Like right. my first read is is Kyle Pitts and then the wide receiver and then is B. John Robinson. So that's understanding personnel grouping. So I think that you know, for all three quarterbacks to be have some success in the red zone against the Vic Fangio type defense, yeah. who they're gonna be facing a lot of guys who play that similar style of defense. So for them to get a good eye on to get the, get work against uh, a defense um, run by Vic Fangio, that's good for them. Not only for now, you know, and having some success, but going forward into the season, I think it's gonna it's gonna work out them for, work out for them in the long run because yeah. I, the m- more familiar you get your quarterback, your young quarterback who only has four starts under mm-hmm. his belt, you know, in, in the NFL. Like, the more he gets to see different things, the more he get used to making adjustments and having the knowledge that, hey, I know what Arthur Smith is trying to do, so here's how I attack this different look that we ne- we didn't necessarily work on. So those are some of the things that I feel like that's that, that's a good sign. Those are good things because it's not, not necessarily the tangible results. You know, when you talk about practice because, you know, they're different variables. Like, hey, you're not really touching the quarterback, so there's that piece of it, too. But... When you have the, the, the scheme being perfected and you understand what your offensive coordinator is trying to do, that's when I feel like you're making a lot of progress. And I think that it can be, do nothing but work wonders for them once the season gets rolling.
1: Yeah and I also think that speaks to communication being so important and so vital yes. and that's communication across the O line because in order for you to execute they have to communicate well the wide receivers because there were different receivers on the receiving end of those touchdowns and so yeah I think that's critical too to be this early in the we'll call it the preseason to the preseason to be able to execute at that level, I think that's also the positive. Yes, the red zone touchdown is the result, but it's all of the little intricacies that you just mentioned that I just mentioned that actually get you there. That's the most encouraging thing. That's what Mm -hmm. fans should be excited about. And they should also be excited about the fact that just what we talked about yesterday was on display yesterday. We said, when you look at Jeff Okuda going down and thankfully he should be back early in the regular season. You look at Clark Phillips going down, and thankfully, Clark Phillips III should be day-to-day. It's mm-hmm. It made you say, okay, you're not concerned. You're not nervous. You're not worried because Terry Fontenot and Arthur Blank built up that DB room across time for these exact moments. And who had a pass breakup yesterday? D offer. Who had another pass breakup? A pick, actually, excuse me, to end a Dolphins drive? Jalen Hawkins. That's why I said, we good, DB room.
0: We good. T, like, I've been, I've been quietly, you know how I get, like, when I get a hunch about something, like, I'll share with, you know, a, a few people, you know what I'm saying, of course, with you. and Of course, with you, ATL, day um, ones, every day. Yeah, I'm sharing with you all. We, I've talked about Jalen Hawkins and how I feel like this guy is going to be a weapon for yes. Ryan Nielsen on this defense because the dude is a starting caliber safety in the NFL. Like that, I don't think, I think people need to understand that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, yeah, they signed Jesse Base. He got moved to move down the slide. Yeah, I get it. But you, I promise you, this dude can go probably start for like at least 10 other teams in the NFL. And yes, you, yes. But when you have those type of skill set, as far as ball hawking, no pun intended, that's that's a skill that cannot be taught. Like, it is either in it, you or it's not in you. Yeah. <laughs> like just saying. So I think that when you have him out there, you know, um, putting that on display and, and 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 being a guy that can be your third rotating safety out mm-hmm. there making plays, yeah, that says a lot about yeah. the depth that you have. So when you have guys go down uh, like Akuda and, and Phillips, like you mentioned, like yeah, it's it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal because you right. have guys that can come in and spell for two or three games with no problem.
1: Yeah, and if you look at the front end of the Falcons' schedule this is the time where you actually want these guys to be out because the Falcons and all that.
0: I just say exactly. that
1: I ain't huh. talking about no bones, yeah. but they ain't
0: all that. Right. I exactly. Yeah. I, I would agree.
1: So I think this is yeah. also the time where if you had to have your starters out, you'd actually rather do it at the front end of the schedule because it's fairly easy to, to get through and then get those guys back fully healthy and ready to rock and roll when you when the Falcons go into to a tougher part of their schedule. So, yeah, I loved the fact that when we were getting our reports from our partners who are physically out in Miami and finding out that, oh, wow. OK, it's just a, it's exactly what we said. The DB room is good. Now, the one thing that Arthur Smith said, and I think it just depends because we talked about this a little bit yesterday, depends on kind of what end of the fence you sit on he said post-practice he's still actually undecided his staff he and his staff are going to sit down today of course the Falcons are off today so the staff is going to sit down and kind of determine who plays how long they play as far as that first team or the ones but I'll be honest with you I do sincerely hope to see maybe if it's a couple snaps maybe if it's an actual series but I really would like to see some of those ones at least for like I said some snaps or an entire series. Who would you like to see? What one, or if it's more than one one, who would you like to see just to kind of maybe get a better feel for how they are with real game action?
0: I want to see the whole entire starting offense, the number one offense. I want to see everybody out there. I want to see the number one offensive of line. And obviously, if Desmond, if they decide to play Desmond Ritter, obviously you're not right. going to run him out there with the backups, you know. Right. So he's going to be with the number one offensive of line. I want to see who they line up opposite uh, Drake London more like it's going to be Mac Hollins. I want to see what that looks like. I want to see Scottie Mill. I want to see some three wide receiver sets, see who they put out there and kind of, you know, get a good uh, idea of who they're thinking as far as who's going to be the, um, on that final five or six wide receivers that they that they carry on into the regular season. So I think that that's where I'm at. But, you know, me too. Like, yeah, the offense stuff, all that's cool. But like let's talk about the real. Like, I want to see Arne Abiketti – I want to see what Bud Dupree looks like. I mean, I know he's a veteran and everything like that. I, I don't really care to see Calais Campbell because I know what he's going to bring to the table. Yeah. I, I, Arthur Smith and, and Calais have, have conversations. They figure that bad boy out. I want to see what Kelly looks like. I want to see how they use De, D'Angelo Malone because D'Angelo Malone was drafted to be an edge rusher. I haven't seen him line up on the edge that much. I've seen them in one-on-ones a little bit, but I haven't mm-hmm. seen them line up on the edge. So I want to see exactly. how they're going to use this third-round pick that y'all brought in last year to rush the passer, how you're going to implement him into this, this um, new multiple system that y'all are, uh, are championing. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. I'm Offense, I would love to see the number one offense, yeah. see how they kind of work things. But most overall, I want to see the second-year guy, ketty see what he looks like. What have you been working on? What have you yeah. been doing? I've been seeing you kind of out there, you know, doing your thing, you know, at at practice. But I want to see what live game action, what that looks like for you um, going forward.
1: Yeah. And for me, it's the same. I just want to see. And again, I don't care if it's just three snaps. I want to see first team offense in all its glory to see exactly what we're working with. And I want to see them particularly because I'm interested in a couple of different things. Number one, I want to see what's going on at left guard. That's oh, that's yes. important. Absolutely. Number two, I want to see what's going on over here with Caleb McGarry on the right side, because I'm going to be watching to see how he operates in past protection. And I'm just kind of curious to see. And I'm sure that Arthur Smith isn't going to show us a whole bunch of wrinkles, but it would be mm-hmm. nice to kind of see what the Desmond Ritter to be John Robinson connection looks like. But on the flip side, I am definitely looking to see if pass rush will really matter. And that does, mm-hmm. if you take away the obvious, which would be Calais Campbell, which would be um, any number. I'm just going to say all your your, your linebacker core and, and take away, you know, your guys in the trenches. Arnold WKT is probably my guy too. And yeah. what I was so encouraged about and but what made me intrigued about him again is the fact that Calais Campbell said, on this team, he is the purest pass rusher that we have. When that mm. comes from Calais word. Campbell, yeah. now I really want to put eyes on you and see what it is that he saw. Because you know what? That means what we saw, especially when you and I did our mock draft last year, and I ca- I said, yeah, I think they're going for him in the second round, and they go after him. I'm still looking to see that guy show up on a consistent basis. But yeah, if Calais Campbell is calling you the purest pass rusher on the team, then I do need to see you show improve. What do you say, everydayers? Who are you guys going to be looking for? I know you're going to be watching the game tomorrow night. So are you looking for the Falcons to play their ones on either side of the ball? Is there a particular player that you're looking to see them take the field? And if so, what are you looking to see out of them? Let us know in the chat when you drop by YouTube to check out ATL Day Ones. And of course, do not forget because I'm sure you're driving all around the A each and every day. Make sure you download ATL Day Ones wherever you download your podcasts.
0: But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. T, we know how the NIL has changed college football. Yeah. Well, um, it seems like High school NIL? Because um, Georgia High School Association Executive Director Robin Hines said at Wednesday Board of Trustees meeting that he would have a proposal ready for the executive committee meeting in the fall on how high school athletes can monetize their name, image, and likeness. However, they are saying that this has nothing to do with pay to play and all that stuff. You're not going to get into all that stuff. Right. But is this the right move? To be trying to figure out how to implement a system as to how teenagers can monetize their name, image, and likeness? Is that what we're to go for real? You probably have to. You
1: probably have to, because wow. I mean, I think probably since the LeBron James days of where we were seeing him on ESPN 2 and ESPN 3, there we've probably been teeter-tottering in that space, and I'm not suggesting that he did anything that was inappropriate, I can't call it illegal, but we've probably been teeter-tottering. And let's be real, Dylan Raiola is at Buford this year. So do you not think that somewhere in right in North Atlanta, somebody's not chomping at the bit for him to endorse their product? Yeah, absolutely. Now, in Dylan Raiola's case, probably not gonna be that big of an issue because he has people surrounding him who have played at the collegiate and pro level and they know what big money looks like coming in your face constantly.
0: His there issue. Those, Play for the lions, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: There will be those kids whose families are very much low income. Yeah. And somebody's Good gonna fun. come to them and say, just do this for that. And that's not to say that it's necessarily illegal or even immoral. What I'm thinking about is the school aspect of it. Like, how do you balance the academics? It's already tough enough for a student athlete to balance the student part. While still trying to excel at the athlete part. Now you're going to add on another layer where maybe that student, him or her, have no clue how to manage through this and maybe their parents or their surrounding village doesn't really know how to deal with this. I don't want the GHSA to overregulate. But there's something to be said about the fact that 30 other states have tried to put something in place, even if it's just a guideline to say, hey, here's how you manage it. Or more importantly, don't try to dictate to them necessarily what to do, but maybe give them the resources to know how to handle it. I mean, think about it. If you went to bed last night and you didn't even know if you were going to have a meal or maybe you didn't have a meal and you wake up the next day and somebody's saying, I'm dropping six, six, I'm dropping 100 grand on you. If you just say, hi, my name is Joe Smith. I play ball for Beaufort High, and that's why you should buy XYZ. Do you really think that that person or the people around him or her actually knows what to do with the hundred grand? Probably not. That's where I want to see give guidance on name, image, and likeness, and how these student athletes who are going to even see it at a bigger level. How about you prep them for dealing with that?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I just don't. I just don't. I just don't see a system that you can implement to do that on the high school level. Because here's the thing: like, I'm if you're talking about. Like, because they specifically stated that they were not to be able to use their school names, logos, right. mascots, and stats. stats as part of any deal, right? Right. But why can't high school websites use their stats, use their likeness, put their picture up there, use the logos from the high school and all that stuff? So it's kind of like, all right, if we're, you're talking about regulating, you know, NIL to, you know, what, what you can and can't use for NIL, how about these dogs going to all these websites who's making money hand over hand fist, over fist. Yeah. on three max preps, all these websites. They have been making money for years. To they yeah. are getting it. They are getting to it. So mm-hmm. where's the check? So yeah. if you if you're going to open up Pandora's box, just know it's going to happen exactly like it did with college football. Once yeah. you open up Pandora's box, everybody going to have their hand out. And when you think when I'm saying so when as soon as you open that door up, the door up, everybody's going to have their hand out and you're going to be in a space where you're going to be like, oh, well, we didn't know it was going to go this far. No, you shouldn't open that door. And I'm kind of in a space where. But when you say open the door, wait, but when you say open the door, what do you mean? Tell me more. Like when, when you when you invite the whole NIL piece, you you set this up, you try to give the guidelines to say, hey. Here, you can do nil, but here's how you need to do it. I just really feel like there are going to be some some lawyers, some people on the player side to say, "Hey, um, that high school website that got my son um, stats, logo, film, all that stuff—that's my stuff. That's my copyright. That's me. That's you, yeah. you're using my name, image, and likeness. So you can't have that on their website. I'm—that's what I'm saying. Like that, yeah. you opening up the door for people to start." combing through the woods and saying and figure out how many ways they can get to this money because once you do it like you said it's going to be all free willy-nilly and it's going to be just like college football and i don't want to see high school football come become that but high
1: school football is that already high school football is is that already and i think that at some point you've got to at least yeah Yeah, it's exactly high school football and what's really dirty high school basketball aau like that's filthy so exactly. So it's nasty. it's been that it's been that. It's just a matter of how do Park you? Hardball is
0: is nasty. T. Yes. All of all of all of it. All of Every level. Well, so how
1: do you? Right. So that's why I was saying for me, I want to hear more about how you're partnering with more so than you try to put handcuffs on the students or the mm-hmm. student athletes. More so, how are you partnering with them and their families to make sure that hey, just like we say with college, um, NIL. Maybe college is the final stop for a particular athlete. So you want to help them to set, you want to help set them up for success to utilize their money properly so that life after college boards like can football, still be, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What if you're yeah. the high schooler? Maybe you were the greatest thing since sliced bread in high school, but who knows? Maybe your senior year after you've done the, the endorsements and everything, mm-hmm. you have a career ending injury. So you never even make it to college, which means you don't make it to the pros. Right. I would want that kid who one day was the superstar, but came from humble beginnings. The next day had a hundred grand in his hand. The next day had a career ending injury. I want that kid to have some type of guidance on how to manage through that money. That's the piece that I'm, I'm hoping will happen, but I know it's very intricate. I know it's very intricate. That's why Robin Hines said, give me until October because he knew you could have that conversation in August, but you've been having this conversation now for, over a year, I think, and yeah. you still haven't come to agreement because of the point you made. That's why I was asking you about the open the door piece because, yeah, it
0: like the old Facebook. It's so many questions you have to answer. Complicated like, legalities, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what that's what that's what happens when you start, you know, trying to implement these certain things because contracts are involved. Like, yep. to be honest with you, and you talking about going into a, a contract agreement with a 15 year old, right? Oh. oh, oh. Oh no! We appreciate you guys for coming into agreement and joining ATL Day Ones each and every day. All our everydayers, we love you. We appreciate you. I've been seeing the comments, man. I'm telling you, we're gonna start doing something special for y'all once this season gets rolling. So y'all stay tuned for that. All you gotta do is just say, "Hey, Jarvis T, I'm an everydayer." That's all you drop it in the comment box right there, or and let you know, you can also give us a five star review too. And say, "Hey, I'm an everydayer and I love ATL Day Ones." free and available wherever you download your podcast. And last but not least, before we get out of here, if you don't do anything else with your life today, make sure that you share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love.
1: A hey Prime members.